The rest of us in here, as you know, we're continuing our study in the book of Exodus, and today we're going to dive into a, a two-week character study, a character study of Pharaoh, specifically during the ten plagues. And the title of today's sermon is Portrait of a Stubborn Heart. And I must warn you, it's not a pretty picture. We're going to spend two weeks on this because the text of the ten plagues give us at least 26 characteristics, 26 behaviors, attitudes, manifestations of a stubborn heart. And not only is this an ugly picture, it's a painful picture because the book of Exodus was written for us. Now, right from the get-go, I, I would be quite remiss if I failed to point out the dangers of religious moralism in a study like this. Please understand, well, the goal is not for us to walk out of here trying harder not to be stubborn, but rather the goal is to reveal our need for God and the sufficiency of His grace to meet our needs. Are you with me on this? This is not a try harder study. We want to identify through the Word and the Spirit the stubbornness that is in us so that we can submit to God who gives us supernatural victory over temptation and sin when we honor His Word in our hearts. There's a big difference between the grace of God and the willpower of the saint. One wins and one always loses no matter what it looks like. One glorifies God and the other exalts the Christian. Contrary to popular opinion, we are not here to prove how righteous we can be. We are here to prove the amazing grace of God and to be humble testimonies of His Son's righteousness in us. That's what it means to be a Christian. God is doing something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. And like the book of Exodus, and like the, the entire Old Testament, this two-week study on stubbornness will reveal our need for God, both in salvation and in ongoing sanctification, as you know. And, but not only will it reveal our need, it will reveal God's power. God wants Christians to live in daily, regular victory over temptation and sin. And everyone here knows that there is not a person in this room who doesn't struggle with stubbornness toward God in some way or another. And let's be clear, we are not talking about the positive qualities of determination and persistence, of grit and long-suffering, etc. We're not talking about that. We are talking about sinful, sinful stubbornness a stubbornness that is rooted in disobedience to God, a stubbornness that wounds people as it manifests itself toward others, toward our spouses, our children, our parents, our co-workers, relatives, friends, etc. And I don't have to look far to see that there are areas in my own life where I resist submitting to what I know God wants me to do and who He wants me to be I suspect the same for all of us here. 
Perhaps we need a change in attitude or a change in wrong behavior. Perhaps it's a particular obedience. Perhaps it addresses an addiction or secret sin or a change in the way we treat and speak to others. Whatever it might be, we all have areas that we have wrestled with for years and perhaps even decades. And of all people, Christians who have full access to the power and motivation of God, we should be conquering these habits one after another until we step into the glory of heaven. And that's what we're going to pray for today. Exodus chapter 7 to 10 is an excellent time to shine the light on our deep-rooted behaviors that have become so entrenched in our lives, so deep that it seems almost impossible to change. You know what I'm talking about? That impossible factor is what often births discouragement and despair, and then eventually a person surrenders to this thought. I guess it's just going to be that way. That's a hard trench to be in in life. It's an even harder place to climb out of. But that's why we need the book of Exodus. We need to pause often, like we're doing this morning, to stand in the presence of the God of the impossible, the God of hope. Think about the plagues with me. If God can control the weather, like we saw in the plagues, and if He can herd the flies and the gnats and the locusts and the frogs by the billions. If God can turn a major river into blood and then back into pure water, if He can dictate the health of an entire nation and drop, as Scripture defines them, tree-shattering and animal-killing hail and fire from the sky, if He can block every ray of sunshine from an entire nation for three days straight, and kill all their firstborn in one pass, then his strength is good enough for your and my stubbornness. The question is, why then is it still there? Thinking of Pharaoh and the plagues, isn't it interesting that God will do all of these mighty things, these ten monstrous plagues like the world has never seen, and yet he will still not force a person to do what is right. God ruined the nation of Egypt in a matter of weeks, and Pharaoh still died a stubborn man. That is a warning through the millennia like few others. One might say, it's not the fire in the sky and the swarms of locusts that literally turn the ground black. It's not the bloody river and the frogs crawling in my bed in my kitchen that I should be afraid of, so much as my own stubborn heart. Unrepentant stubbornness not only ushered Pharaoh into the grave, it rushed him into hell well ahead of his natural time. Now, if you're a follower of Christ who's been forgiven of your sins, and you don't have to worry about hell, God has forgiven you. He has promised you a home with Him. But we should definitely worry about the consequences of our stubbornness. 
and the hurt that it brings upon us and those often closest to us that we love the most. Most of all, we should worry about the shame that it brings on the name of the one who rescued us. If you're not a follower of Christ, then consider why you wouldn't want to follow the God who saves, the God who knows, the God of all power. The invitation to salvation is open to all who will believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. My prayer is that every one of us this morning will take an honest look at the hard spots in our hearts and that we will let God begin to do what only He can do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sense from Your Word that this is not a comfortable text, but we know that it's a good text, and we know that You wrote this for us. All Scripture is from You inspired by you, and it is good for us in every way. Lord, give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and oh, Lord, give us the grace, and we know you will, give us the grace to honor your word, to let you have your way in our hearts. We know that that is the more beautiful way, so do a good work this morning, we pray. And we ask this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to take a look at the first 12 characteristics of a stubborn heart in Exodus chapters 7 and 8. And next week we'll look at the remaining 14 or, or however many there may end up being in chapters 9 and 10. And while we're at it, these are 26 characteristics that I've simply spotted in the text as I've studied. There may very well be more. You may even spot some that I miss as we read our way through the text. I encourage you, call me, email me, whatever. Let me know what you find. I would love to hear from you. We are in this study together. Never forget that. Now today we're not just gonna look at the first 12 characteristics of a stubborn heart. We would all just leaving here feeling terrible if that's what we did. That's not necessarily a bad thing, I suppose. But we do need to see the positive. It is not enough to run from sin. We need to run to God. It's not enough to stop sinning. We have to pursue righteousness. And even better than behavior is worship. We want to understand what it means, and we want to experience what it means to worship God in holiness. So I'd like us to contrast these first 12 characteristics of stubbornness with 12 characteristics of a godly, soft, tender heart. The first portrait is terrible to behold, but the latter is nothing less than the glory of God revealing itself through the fruit of the Spirit in the life of an obedient, humble believer. And that is a beautiful thing. So let's dive in. Chapter 7, verse 8. And since we read this together three weeks ago in its entirety, I'm going to read fairly quickly today so that we can get through, the, get through to the points on stubbornness. So verse 8 of chapter 7, Moses and Aaron are back in Pharaoh's court. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, work a miracle, 
Then you shall say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh, and thus they did just as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers, and they also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same with their secret arts. For each one threw down his staff, and they turned into serpents. Now, if you're taking notes, this is where we kick it into high gear. Characteristic number one, a stubborn heart wants to prove that the world is just as good as God. Do you see it in the text there? It genuinely believes that what the world offers in terms of power, in terms of pleasure, and security, and happiness, it is just as good, if not better, than what God offers. We know this to be a lie, but the stubborn heart believes it. They want to prove that the world is just as good as God. Continuing in verse 12, But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs, yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Point number two, a stubborn heart refuses to listen to God. Yes, Pharaoh was talking to Moses and Aaron here, but they were just the messengers. And remember, Pharaoh knew it. This is foundational to understanding this entire portion of the book of Exodus. All ten plagues occurred because of what kicked off in chapter 5, verse 2. How did Pharaoh reply when Moses and Aaron first came to him and said, The Lord, the God of Israel, says, Let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. What was Pharaoh's reply? Verse 2 of chapter 5. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. The ten plagues were God's answer to Pharaoh's question. Who is the Lord? And God told him who he was. Point number two, a stubborn heart refuses to listen to God. Back in chapter 7, verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn, for he refuses to let the people go. Point number three, a stubborn heart refuses to obey God. I don't want to hear it, because I'm not going to do it. You see the play of events here. It is exactly what Pharaoh was communicating. We see that this whole stubborn episode kicks off on the foundation of these first three points. I love the world, therefore I do not want to hear what God says because I do not want to do it. Who is the book of Exodus written for? If you're like me, you're thinking, preach it, man, that is true. Boy, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. No, no, no. This was written for us. I had to remind myself through the week, this sermon is written for you. This is written for unbelievers and believers to teach us how to live in the fear and love of the Lord. If God is going to do some life-changing work in our church family this morning, if He's going to do it in you and me, that it is, then it is imperative that we approach this stubborn study with our eyes on ourselves. 
So let's make this personal. When it comes to the issues in my life that I have been holding out on against God and my family and those around me for years, I am stubborn because I love the world and I don't want to hear what God says because I don't want to do it. If God is going to bless the people around us, our spouse, our children, relatives, co-workers, friends, if He is going to bless them through us, then He is going to have to do spiritual surgery on our hearts. And a good place to begin is by admitting our love for the things of this world. A good place to begin is by listening, by opening wide the ears of our heart to what Scripture is saying this morning. A good place to start is by purposing to obey no matter how hard and how painful it might be. By the grace of God, let us take the first step of obedience, whatever that might be, and no matter how small it might be. Verse 15, God continues to say, go to Pharaoh in the morning, and as he is going out to the water, and station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile, and you shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. You shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, sent me to you, saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But behold, you have not listened until now. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will strike the water that is in the Nile with the staff that is in my hand, and it will be turned to blood. The fish that, in the, that are in the Nile will die, and the Nile will become foul. And the Egyptians will find difficulty in drinking water from the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the rivers, over their streams, over their pools, over all their reservoirs of water, that they may become blood. And there will be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. So Moses and Aaron did even as the Lord had commanded. And he lifted up the staff and struck the water that was in the Nile in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the water that was in the Nile turned to blood. The fish that were in the Nile died and the Nile became foul so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. And the blood was throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same with their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, I'm not going to repeat the points that we've already mentioned, but notice how they will indeed repeat themselves over and over again through these chapters. Verse 23, then Pharaoh turned and went into his house with no concern even for this. Point number four, a stubborn heart could care less when it experiences the, con experiences the consequences of sin. A stubborn heart could care less when it experiences the consequences of sin. Pharaoh was not the first stubborn man to experience the pain of God's chastisement and reply with, I don't care, nor was he the last. Oftentimes, this is when our heart really begins to break for those we see living in stubborn sin. But we need to recognize that this stubbornness is well down its path by the time it gets here. Our heart should have been broken when that person began to love the pleasures of the world. Our heart should have been broken when they began to lose interest in what God had to say in His Word. 
Our hearts should have begun to break when we saw them first refusing to obey God in the small things, which as we know are not small at all. We'll see the word refuse used several times throughout these four chapters. This is a core component of stubbornness. The concept of refusal communicates an adamant denial, a repeated state of objection, a constant rejection. Everyone sins, but those with hearts that are tender toward God sooner or later repent and receive the grace of God to then do what is right. But the stubborn heart is one whose heels have long since been dug in. I found it very interesting to see the dictionary's first definition of stubbornness given is this, unreasonably obstinate. Almost sounds biblical. As you know, Pharaoh is about to demonstrate a level of unreasonableness that defies the most basic standards of common sense and survival. Let us be warned. This is what an attitude of stubbornness will do to us if left unchecked, unaddressed, and unrepented. Pharaoh just lost the Nile River. Think about that. The first plague alone had the full potential to bring down Egypt. And Pharaoh wasn't about to budge. His stubborn heart had already lost full sense of reason. It's one thing to be blind. It's another to know that you're blind. Pharaoh didn't even see his blindness. Stubborn hearts cannot think straight let alone think biblically and in a God-honoring way. Verse 24, So all the Egyptians dug around the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the Nile. Seven days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. Think about that. Surely by day two, everybody's got to be thinking, when is this going to end? Day three, what are we going to do? Day four, how long can we survive this? There were seven days of nothing but blood in this massive river. If there was any doubt as to, the, as to Pharaoh's level of stubbornness, there is no doubt already. We tend to think that by the time the dead cattle and the, and the boils and, and the hail and fire coming out of the sky came, that's when Pharaoh really got stubborn. No, if we lived in Egypt along the Nile at that time, we'd have been begging Pharaoh to repent by day number two. He was unreasonably obstinate long before the other plagues came. This is a strong warning to Christians. Don't put ourselves and those we love through a long list of plagues before we let God deal with our stubbornness. Chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. 
But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite your whole territory with frogs. The Nile will swarm with frogs, which will come up and go into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and on your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. So the frogs will come up on you and your people and all your servants. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the streams, and over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. The magicians did the same with their secret arts, making frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Point five, can you agree with me? A stubborn heart causes discomfort and disgust. For heaven's sake, the frogs were in their beds and in their kitchens. They were crawling all over them. This was just another one of the consequences of a stubborn heart. Disgusting living conditions. Verse eight, then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, entreat the Lord that he remove the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, the honor is yours to tell me, when shall I entreat for you and your servants and your people that the frogs be destroyed from you and your houses, that they may be left only in the Nile? Then Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Isn't that interesting? That is stubbornness. I can wait till tomorrow. Parents, have you ever seen that in your kids? <laughs> All of our parents have seen that in us. Verse 11, the frogs will depart from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They will be left only in the Nile. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had inflicted upon Pharaoh. The Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, the courts, and the fields. So they piled them in heaps, and the land became foul. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Point number six. A stubborn heart lies to get what it wants, particularly to get relief from the consequences of sin. This is just one of Pharaoh's false attempts to please God and appear to be religious before others. It was nothing but a lie. He was feigning obedience. Stubborn hearts can appear to repent when deep down inside it's a lie to get relief from the consequences of sin. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not listen. But did you notice the next phrase? As the Lord had said. We interject a point here. There's a lesson to us when we fake obedience and repentance. God knows the truth. We can lie to people and sometimes even get away with it, but never with God. Didn't I warn you this would be a discouraging study? This is painful to look at. We're only halfway through today's list of 12 points, and there's 14 more next week. Why do we put ourselves through this? Friends, it's because the cancer of stubbornness is not worth keeping. And our hearts are prone to keep it. The hard heart must be addressed before it steals away any more life from me and those around me. If your heart is soft and tender toward the Lord right now, then rejoice and store these truths away for the day when stubbornness will come knocking at your door. If your heart is soft and tender, then grab a hold of these truths 
and store it away so that you can minister truth to someone else who is suffering from the bitterness and anger of a hard, stubborn heart. Understand these truths so that you and I can know how to pray for others, so that we can spot it in ourselves, so that we can be compassionate. Stubbornness is the kissing cousin of pride, as you know. They're almost the same thing. And we know what the Bible says about pride. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That means something grand when you've just read the 10 plagues. Pride goes before destruction. What about James 4, 6? God is opposed to the proud. He makes himself an enemy of the proud. He makes the proud an enemy to him. What about Proverbs 16, 5? Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. You and I have felt the oppression of pride before, both in ourselves and from others. If we don't address it, it won't go away. But we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Never lose sight of that. Continuing in verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth. I have to think, every time Pharaoh and those, those servants, the magicians around me said, saw Aaron or Moses raise that staff, they got to be thinking, oh no, not again. Not again. God said, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth that it may become gnats through all the land of Egypt. There's the disgust and discomfort again. First it crawled, now it flies. Verse 17, they did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats through all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried with their secret arts to bring forth gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not listen to them as the Lord had said. Point number seven, a stubborn heart even ignores the wise counsel of its friends. Won't listen to God, won't listen to the messengers, won't even listen to friends. And these were evil friends. These were sorcerers. These were his servants. He won't even listen to them. Maybe you've been at this point before. Maybe you can think of a time when you long since walked away from a loving family, from a loving church, and then even your worldly friends were telling you that you were going off the deep end. Aren't you grateful for the patience and mercy of God? He is a God of second and third and fourth chances. So merciful, so patient, so long-suffering. Think about the fact he waited to go through 10 of these plagues before finally breaking Pharaoh. God is merciful. Praise God. Perhaps you read the verse through the Thanksgiving holiday. Praise God that his loving kindness is to all generations. Sadly, stubborn hearts will even ignore the wise counsel of their friends. Verse 20, Look at the rapid-fire lessons that come in these next few verses. Verse 20, Now the Lord said to Moses, Rise early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh as he comes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. 
For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians, again, the houses of the Egyptians will be full of swarms of flies and also the ground on which they dwell. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people, that is the people of Israel, are living so that no swarms of flies will be there in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the land. I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign will occur. Point number eight, a stubborn heart ignores the obvious protection that God provides to those who follow him. I think of the parable of the prodigal son. His stubborn heart landed him in the pig pen, literally, eating the pig's food. While his father's household fared quite well, Thankfully, that son admitted his insanity, his stubbornness, and he returned to the blessing of his father's home. But stubborn hearts will often fold their arms and ignore the blessings and the protections and the joys that they see among God's people. It's just a hard heart thing. It's a sad state of being. The verse continues, then the Lord did so. And there came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and in the houses of his servants. And the land was laid waste because of the swarms of flies in all the land of Egypt. Point nine, a, starber, a stubborn heart devastates its resources. The land was laid waste. It was ruined. It was decimated. It was destroyed. How our hearts break when we see the stubborn heart of a loved one hit rock bottom. They have nothing left in this life. Their resources are gone. Everything they owned of true value is laid waste, is gone, is left behind. The prodigal son was right there. But thankfully, Jesus reminded us in that parable that even there, there is hope for the repentant heart. Always hope. Verse 25, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we will sacrifice to the Lord our God what is an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice what is an abomination to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not then stone us? Point 10. This is a very interesting one. The stubborn heart negotiates with God. Pharaoh said, I'll tell you what, you can't leave, but I'll let you worship here. Have you ever negotiated with God? Lord, I'll tell you what, I'll obey part way. It's better than nothing. At least I'm doing something. Stubborn hearts negotiate with God. Verse 27. Moses said, We must go a three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I'm going out from you, and I shall make supplication to the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to the Lord. The Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. Point 11, a stubborn heart ignores the spectacular workings of God. There's a phrase in there that catches our attention. Not 
one remained. I can't tell you how many people in the past few weeks have sat down with me and told me how God has done amazing things in their life, things that they did not expect, things that did not make sense at first, but turned out to be major blessings and provisions from God. You've prayed for my friend Philip and their two-year-old with brain cancer who was discharged last week just in time for Thanksgiving. After several months of chemo, treatments, etc. Several weeks back, a nurse accidentally ripped one of the lines out of him. I don't remember which line it was, so I'll make one up. Tore one out of him. That turned out to reveal something else that they never would have found. It turned out to be a blessing that never would have happened, never would have happened likely. Had that not happened, I can't tell you how often, if we look for it, we will see that God is doing amazing things. God is doing the spectacular all around us. He's doing it in our hearts. He's doing it in our bodies, in our minds, in our homes, our jobs, our day-to-day circumstances. If we will but look and take the time to see how amazing He really is. Sadly, stubborn hearts ignore the miracles happening right before their eyes. The swarms of flies left Egypt. Not one remained, and Pharaoh couldn't see the wonder in it. An an amazing New Testament parallel to Pharaoh is the account of Stephen being arrested and tried by the religious leaders. If you've read this portion of Acts, you know that he gave a lengthy testimony. And toward the end in Acts 7.51, he said, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised, uncircumcised in heart, and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. How that must have burned. Stephen said those words just moments before he was stoned to death by them. Now these religious leaders are a stunning parallel to the stubbornness of Pharaoh. Because going back to the prior chapter, end of chapter 6, This is where the mob first came and captured Stephen and dragged him to be questioned by the religious leaders. And it says that after all the false witnesses had accused him, everyone turned their attention to him for his response. And verse 15 says, And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the the face of an angel. They were so outraged so angry, so stubborn and stiff-necked, they ignored what was clearly something divine happening in the person sitting before them. Even as they arrested him, chapter 6 says, he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stubborn hearts viciously ignore the spectacular workings of God. Last point comes from these same verses. Point 12, a stubborn heart develops a pattern of habitual lying. Moses said, only do not let Pharaoh deal deceitfully again in not letting the people go. You know what they say, one lie leads to another. It's a hole you feel like you have to dig your way out of, but the hole only gets deeper the more you dig. We've all been here before. 
It's so much better when we just soften our hearts toward God, speak the truth, and fall on our faces and worship Him for who He is and what He has done. And when we honor His Word and what He demands of us, worship leads to faith and repentance. And those lead to healing and overcoming graces of God. Again, faith and repentance lead to the healing and overcoming graces of God. Do not underestimate the power of faith and repentance. You might be thinking, but you don't understand my, my addiction, my drug addiction, my porn addiction, whatever. You don't understand what I go through. You're right, I don't. But you don't need my power anyway. God understands your addiction more than you do. And you need His power. This is not to make light of suffering. It's not to make light of your circumstance. This is to make great the power of God. He is not limited to the science of our body. He is not limited to the natural laws of this universe. Ten plagues, he's trying to prove this to Pharaoh. Oh, that we would recognize this. Now today we're not gonna go into a full conclusion of this study because as I mentioned, we've got 14 more points to go next Sunday. So don't be surprised if attendance is low next week, right? <laughs> I'm not gonna give the full conclusion here because we're only part way through. But let's get a taste of the goodness of God here at the halfway point. 12 characteristics of the stubborn heart contrasted by 12 characteristics of a godly, soft, humble, tender heart. If you're taking notes, then know that I'll have a printout of this for you next week. There's a lot of information here. Printout of all 26 characteristics. And later today, I'll kick these out uh, through the community to all the salt groups so that you can have them for your uh, salt group discussions. But let's just read through this contrast list as we wrap up. Number one, a stubborn heart wants to prove that the world is just as good as God. But a godly tender heart wants to prove that God is infinitely much better than the world. It's one thing to experience it. It's one thing to know it. It's another to want to prove it, to help others see. Number two, stubborn heart refuses to listen to God. But a godly tender heart begs to hear God's voice. Don't we see this in the Psalms? The psalmist loving and longing to know the precepts and the statutes, the commandments, the ordinances of God. Number three, a stubborn heart refuses to obey God, but a godly tender heart insists on personal obedience. Number four, a stubborn heart could care less when it experiences the consequences of sin, but a godly tender heart grieves over the consequences of sin. Number five, a stubborn heart causes discomfort and disgust but a godly tender heart thrives on comforting and blessing others. A stubborn heart lies to get what it wants, which is relief from the consequences of sin, and we could add the pleasures of sin. But a godly tender heart speaks truth in order to receive the promises of God. Number seven, a stubborn heart even ignores the wise counsel of its friends, while a godly tender heart seeks out and hears the biblical counsel of godly friends. Number eight, a stubborn heart ignores the obvious protection God provides to those who allow him, while a godly tender heart recognizes that God provides more than the world could ever provide. Number nine, a stubborn heart devastates its resources, but a godly tender heart stewards them. 
Number 10, the stubborn heart negotiates with God, but a godly tender heart purposes to yield, to yield fully to God. Number 11, a stubborn heart ignores the spectacular workings of God, while a godly tender heart beholds the marvelous works of God. Again, the Psalms, full of the testimony of the works of the Almighty. Number 12, a stubborn heart develops a pattern of habitual lying, while a godly tender heart develops the discipline of speaking the truth, both to self and to others. All this instruction in two short chapters, isn't the Word of God amazing? So much to teach us. But God doesn't just teach us. Remember, He also enables us. How magnificent. It's the best of both worlds. How I wish I could do that at times for my own children. Here's what is right. I will come into you and I will help you do it. Oh, we try. But God perfectly fathers us. The best of both worlds. The psalmist in Psalm 78 warned Israel to not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. There's tremendous instruction there in those two things. That warning and that ex exhortation applies to us today. Let's take these truths and pray over them and prepare our heart for them and purpose to be faithful to God. And then we can expect Him to do in us what only He can do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You're an amazing God. How we look forward to the day we step into Your presence and see that in all of its glory. What a thought. You are so amazing, so good. Your word is so true. We acknowledge this morning again that your word is truth because you are truth, and your word is unchanging. It's why we trust it. It's why we trust you, Lord. I pray this day that you would meet with me, meet with each one here. Lord, do what only you can do. Give us the grace to repent of the stubbornness in our hearts, not once, but to continue in repentance, to continue in obedience, to continue in humility. Lord, open our eyes to the truth of stubbornness in our hearts. Help us to see what it does to the glory of your name when we call ourselves Christians. Help us to see what it does to those we love. Help us to see what it is doing to destroy us one little bit of life at a time. But Lord, on the flip side, help us to see the glory, the blessing, the provision, the protection, the enabling that you so freely offer through salvation and in sanctification. Lord, you teach and you enable. We praise you for that. You are the God who deserves to be honored in our hearts. Help us to do that this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.